Welcome to episode 83 of The Route, presented by Jobs in Sports. The Route is a glorified sports business coffee chat that has a new guest every episode as they share their route and experiences in sports. I'm Christopher Nesmento, and let's begin. So as always, just two things to cover before we get into today's guest. First off, if you haven't already, um, subscribe to the podcast or follow, depending on the platform you're on. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the White Whale Marketing Channel. If you're listening on audio via Spotify, Apple, Google, etc., please follow, subscribe, or even rate five stars as it just helps the, the podcast become more easily discoverable. And the other thing um, that coincides with that is follow us on social media so you can see oops, this corner here at the route sports. Um, that's LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. Maybe it's a great way to start building your connections to the industry if you if you uh, haven't gotten started yet, but it's also a great way to just uh, you know see who's on each week so you can you know tune into that. So follow us at Throughout Sports. That's on all social medias. And with that said, and business covered, we can now get to today's guest. So um, I'd now like to welcome the current director uh, on the board of the Canadian Olympic Committee and the President and CEO of Alpine Canada, Therese Brisson. Welcome to the route. How's it going? Hey, great. Uh, how are you doing, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Glad to glad to chat with you now. Um, yeah. So the way I like to start every single podcast, the name of the podcast is the route. So do you mind taking us through yours? So maybe where did you go to school and how did we get to where we are today? Yeah. Um, so just a little bit of background and born and raised in Montreal. My family's still there, went to school there, did, um, you know, all the sports growing up in the community. So really, really <clears throat> lucky about that. And in the community that I grew up in, Dollar Des Armo, um, built a, built a rink with three ice pads a little bit before the community really needed it uh, back in the 70s. And, you know, that was an amazing opportunity because little girls actually got ice time. Um, so that's where I grew up in the West Island of Montreal. I, um, you know, studied there and, you know, I, I trained as a, I'm trained as a scientist. I have a, you know, PhD in neural control and had a first career as a researcher and professor um, after doing all of my undergrad and grad work uh, at, you know, Concordia, Université de Montréal in Montreal in, in um, neural control and and physical activity science. And so I uh, went from there to uh, the University of New Brunswick, where I, I you know, was a professor uh, for, for five or six years uh, in Fredericton. I was an adjunct professor uh, to the Institute for Biomedical Engineering. I was a, in the faculty of kinesiology. And um, you know, I had this sort of serious pastime at the same time, which was around playing hockey. I, I you know, started, um, I started playing hockey in high school. I had this great coach that, uh, you know, made up a schedule for the young women who were mostly playing ringette to go play, um, to play hockey. And, and I, you know, did that, really had a lot of fun with that. I played hockey at university as well and continued to play, you know, in the, in the club levels. You know, and during that time, hockey started to get a little bit more serious with the World Championship in 1990. I was still playing pretty competitive ringette at the time. I was going to a World Championships in ringette in 1990 and you know, was invited to those national team tryouts and, and couldn't go. Uh, just was not able to do both from a financial perspective and a time perspective. But hockey was getting a, a little bit more serious. And so I was, you know, playing hockey at a club level and had done you know two world championships by the time i went to new brunswick to as a researcher and professor at umb and oh, and uh you know at that time women's hockey became part of the olympic games i i you know made the team and went to nagano and that didn't really turn we won a silver medal won a silver medal which you know wasn't really the outcome we were looking for um, when you play hockey wearing the Canadian jersey, of course. And so, you know, I decided to stick around to, to try to better that result um, four years later for Salt Lake City. But I wasn't in an ideal competitive environment in New Brunswick. Um, you know, the training was okay. I practiced with the men's team at UAB and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, but there was no place really for, for me to play at a competitive level. So 
it was either come back to Montreal and I tried to do that <clears throat> while living at, you know, in Fredericton one year and that was too much. So it was either come back to Montreal or go to Toronto. I, I picked Toronto and, and decided I was, you know, gonna get ready for Salt Lake City here, here in, um, you know, in Toronto and play in that Canadian Women's Hockey League at the time. And so um, that was great. Uh, got ready for Salt Lake City. Uh, we won, that went much better. And after Salt Lake City, I decided, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go back to research and, you know, uh, you know, be a professor. I decided um, I wanted to build things, not operate within a budget envelope. So I went back and did my MBA at Schulich, doing it part time while still playing hockey. And, and then I joined Procter & Gamble a little bit, you know, after finishing my MBA. Uh, I joined in the pharmaceutical business and had a great career at P&G over 10 years, um, building billion dollar brands. And, you know, the last role I had there was leading what we call the baby fem and adult incontinence business. So it was about a, about a half a billion dollar in retail sales in Canada. So I had a great you know, opportunity to, to, you know, learn a lot about marketing and sales. And, you know, you come to an inflection point where you want to continue to grow, but there aren't any jobs in the market. Um, so you either got to go to Cincinnati or, or whatever. And I didn't want to do that. So I, I, you know, joined Kimberly Clark and never in a million years did I think I would do that. But the, the country manager at the time was trying to take this organization from a sales organization to a, to a, a, a you know, a real business unit. And, and wanted help to build the marketing organization so that we could go in with the Canadian consumer and the Canadian customer in Canada. And, and he was a great marketer. So he said to me, come help me build Team Canada, um, which was, you know, an amazing proposition for, for someone like me who'd, you know, been playing for Team Canada. And so I went, you know, to Kimberly Clark and I, and I helped, you know, build that marketing organization and accelerate the business. And it was a terrific six years experience. Now, during this time, you know, of course, I was an athlete and, and it was it's such a unique opportunity to be part of a sport like for, for me, women's hockey. Um, during a time when our sport became part of the Olympic program, you know, so, you know, when I started out with the national team, I mean, we would play with our club team going to, you know, that small, that small town across the city in Rapontigny. Um, you know, playing at 11 o'clock at night where your only fan is the rink guy, you know, to, to playing sold out NHL venues, you know, with the national team and world championships to, you know, one in five Canadians watching you in a Canada versus USA gold medal game at the Olympic Games. Like that was my 16 years mm -hmm. with the national team program. And so I had that unique opportunity to experience how high performance success drives grassroots growth. And and so as part of a part of, um, you know, joining the Olympic program, you know, we got involved with the Canadian Olympic Committee and got involved with on the podium and, oh, we need representatives. And Teresa, you go do that. You're the team captain. So, I, you know, I got involved with the Canadian Olympic Committee's Athletes Commission and, you know, translated that to being, you know, in the board. I, and I served on the board for 12 years at the Canadian Olympic Committee and just finished my term. And you know, also got involved with the podium and served on the board there for almost 16 years as that organization went through some transition. So as a result of that, you know, putting my hand up and saying, okay, you know, <laughs> I'll go, I'll, I'll be voluntold, um, you know, really had some great learning experiences as a board member and, and you know, have the unique opportunity to deeply understand and innovate in sport, whether that be on the commercial side with the COC or on the, on the technical side with the podium. So, um, you know, the great thing is, is I've learned a lot, not just as an athlete, but through these experiences, how to build Olympic champions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as I was at Kimberly Clark and just finishing up there, um, you know, Alpine Canada was looking to hire their next leader and asked me if I would wish to join them as their new president and CEO. Um, and, you know, the, the reason I joined is, first of all, an amazing board, the opportunity to, you know, work with these individuals. They really are the, the, the leaders in all aspects of business in Canada. Um, that was very exciting for me. We have such huge, you know, we have athletes with amazing potential and, you know, the opportunity to support them in, in becoming, um, 
you know, reaching their full potential and, and, you know, which I believe is being on the podium was very exciting to me. And then, you know, the, the business has lots of challenges and opportunities as well. There's financial challenges, there's operating challenges. And, and so for me, the opportunity to, to come and innovate and transform the, the business was very exciting. If I was asked to, Hey, just come and, you know, keep things moving would not have been exciting. So that's a little bit how I got here was, um, you know, a series of, of, um, you know, events that I, you know, if you ever would have in a million years said, Oh yeah, you had a plan for that. Uh, I'm not sure I could, could say I, I had a straight line path. That is for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of the route, right? Where I think your guest 83 or 80 around there, because some of the episodes were, were just about me, but you know, each 80 episodes, no one has gone, you know, linearly. Right. So similar to how you're saying, you know, most of our listeners are students or young professionals. So, you know, sometimes I know when I was in school, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and then I'll get here. But then as I've seen already, and it hasn't even been that long, but it's already kind of jumping from one side to the other and you're kind of doing zigzags, right? Rather than just kind of climbing uh, internally, right? At one organization. So that actually kind of leads to what I wanted to ask initially. Now that you, you've shared your out is, you know, you set a series of events, right? Where, you know, there's those three sheets of ice in your hometown. And that made a big difference because that probably yeah. got you into the board and gave you the opportunity to, to kind of find fall in love and build that passion. But then I, I know you mentioned there wasn't a place to play, but was there something specifically that made you think, Hey, I, I want to go work at, in, you know, business or specifically sport business rather than just, you know, working as a professor, as you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, as I, you know, reflect on my career and I've had a chance to, you know, coach, you know, for career, a lot of people over the last 15 years, you know, the first thing I, I would always you know, say is, you know, so many people are looking for that linear path, right? In my case, you're an assistant brand manager, then you're a brand manager, then you're a senior brand manager, then you're a marketing director, you spend two years in each role and we'll all be, you know, I, I sense that lots of people have an appetite for that and are craving that. And what I would say is, is I, I, I always tell people, look, what I really encourage you to do is, 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 Think about the work you love to do and the experiences you want to gain because that is way more important <laughs> than spending time in this role and the next role. And so that's what I've always tried to focus on is what do I want to learn? What is the work I love to do? How can I make a difference? Um, you know, because when my career as an athlete finished, a lot of athletes struggle with making that transition to whatever comes next. And what was really helpful for me is, you know, I, first of all, I refused to accept that the most important thing I'd ever do is win an Olympic gold medal for Canada. That, you know, was number one. But when I started to realize that what gets me excited is contribution to country and community and making a significant impact there, that all of a sudden opens up all kinds of doors for how do you want to contribute? How do you want to make a difference? And so, um, so that's the first thing I would say is focus on the things you want to do, the things you want to learn, and you know I, the rest will come. I don't, you know, I don't think there's ever really a, a role or opportunity that I chased as much as I chased the skill building and the experiences that mm -hmm. all of a sudden made me the, I guess, the right choice for for the next role. Follow follow those types of things. Um, and sometimes that means a, you know, a lateral step when I, you know, when I was at P and G, I decided that I wanted to lead market, you know, I wanted to lead the business, not support the business. And so I did a lateral move, uh, you know, to a brand management role and, and, you know, it was the best thing I ever did. People said, oh my God, what a risk. I'm like, no, the risk for me, realize that the risk is standing with two feet planted where you are and you really don't want to be there. <laughs> Right. Um, so a couple of times in my life, I've, I've jumped with both feet because um, and, you know, people have said to me, oh, my God, what a risk. And I said, no, I think what you don't realize is more risk for me, risky for me to, to, to not do anything. And when you look at it that way, um, you know, you really you really do um, 
find the courage, I guess, if you will, to make decisions that might look a little bit like high risk maneuvers because mm -hmm. you're following the skills and experiences that you want to build. Yeah, no, for sure. And there's so many things I want to ask. So I'm just trying to see how, which one flows in the best order. But um, there's something you mentioned when you're sharing your route. And even now it kind of refers back to it is you're essentially just saying that right where um, instead of chasing all oh, brand manager, et cetera, just kind of going through the climbing the ladder, right. As they say, yeah. you're kind of chasing the, the experiences or, you know, the things you wanted to learn. Right. Um, is that, well, you, I, I know you said that's what you recommend, but do you even say that even at the beginning of, you know, the, like a lot of students, as I said, listening, they're coming out of school and they're like, Hey, I need to get, you know, I, I've spoken to students like, Hey, there's cool opportunities, but I need to get paid. Right. They're like, I have student debt. I have X, yeah, Y, sure. Z. So how would, I, I know that's a difficult question because it's, you know, personal to each person, but what would you recommend to maybe, you know, get that initial experience and learn about marketing or sales as you were saying? but still, I don't know, uh, get into the corporate world. I'd yeah, say. no, for sure. Hey, listen, I appreciate, especially earlier in your career, there's an economic reality. You have to pay the bills, right? And so we've all done jobs that um, maybe weren't our favorites. Um, and I've certainly done them too earlier in my career, especially while I was a student. I sold weight loss programs. Can you believe that? Um, so, so, you know, we've all, <laughs> we've all done things that, um, you know, but mind you, it was a really important learning experience for what I don't want to do for the rest of my life. And I think that's cool, too. But, you know, you know what I'm a big fan of is, is the volunteering. OK, um, you know, when when it was asked of me, hey, Therese, you know, you go sit on that board. OK, I'll go. And the, and the reason, you know, what I really appreciated in all of that, well, it would be certainly some time and effort and, um, you know, at a time when maybe I didn't have a lot of either of those. Um, the people that I had a chance to meet were so, you know, the things that I learned, you know, and the networking opportunities around that have served me very well for life. And, you know, as a result of volunteering to be on, you know, first of all, the Athletes Commission at the Canadian Olympic Committee and you know, and then agreeing to serving on the board and, and then also at on the podium, you know, I, I got to meet people and I learned things that I don't think I would have had the opportunity otherwise. And, and that has, that has been all the difference maker is, is I, I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Right. And so I really encourage people to think about that a lot in, and invest in some of those volunteer experiences where you meet people um, you network uh, and you work together, um, you know, in a way that you otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity. And that, that, you know, I was doing while I was working at something else it was a lot of time and effort, but well worth the investment of time and effort and has paid me back a million, a million times over, truthfully. Yeah. No, yeah. And, and sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, you know, it really has paid me back a million times over and, and I, you know, that's something I would really encourage people to think about um, and, you know, be strategic about it, be purposeful about it. Um, but I think that's a real opportunity for a lot of people. Yeah, no. And th that's a great point, right? Where, you know, maybe coming out of school, you, like you're saying, you're selling weight loss programs, which, you know, maybe isn't where you want it to end up right day, one day. Right. But as you're saying, being able to volunteer, saying yes to different opportunities and without really thinking of, how does this benefit me benefit me right now that's how it kind of led to you know different opportunities whether it's networking or you know whatever else so that, that's for sure some great advice for those listening um and there's a question i wanted to ask but i think i'm gonna just wait after this um and just kind of building off what you were saying is you know chasing these experiences or these learnings that you wanted to you know that you're passionate about do you find it was almost like being at the right place at the right time where you kind of chased your passion or your desires and because of this passion that you have to, to learn more, experience more of that given thing, then yeah. these different opportunities start arising. Is that what you kind of found? Yeah, you make your own luck. You make your own luck by, you know, building skills and experiences and building network. And, mm -hmm. and you know, having a, a network, people that you can draw on for experiences, seek, you know, to learn more, you know, even just informational connects, I think is really really important and 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 you know that's purposeful 
Um, and, you know, when you have a strong network, of course, these things, you know, seem to happen, but they don't really happen. They happen because people know you and you know people and, um, you know, you've helped others and they help you. And so, um, you know, that this is a bit of a way of making your own luck. I, I don't think it's serendipitous at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense where, you know, sometimes I, the example I see a lot is sometimes musicians, right? They're like, oh, they're an overnight successor. You know, it came out of nowhere. But in reality, they're, you know, singing at small bars or school talent shows. And then 10 years later, they got found, right? So I, I, I see that for sure. The overnight uh, success took 10 years for sure. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so I guess what I'll end, the, the flow I'll go is with your career. And then we'll kind of maybe go back to the athlete side of things. So obviously that's Sure, for sure, yeah. So um, I was saying, thinking about the demographic and the audience that we have listening, a big thing coming out of school is also – how do you make that first um how do you get that first position right you're saying how coming out of your mba you got the position at procter and gamble how did that come about was it through connections your network or was it simply you know sometimes we've had many guests on the podcast are like oh i just applied online and you know one thing led to another and just kind of flowed from from there yeah no great question um probably dating myself a little bit but i did apply to an ad in the globe and mail <laughs> um, funny enough, but listen, I, I knew the role was available because I, you know, had some friends at school at Schulich that were looking at opportunities. Some, you know, one of them actually landed at PNG. Um, but you know, I had this group of people uh, that were really good friends at the business school. And so I was really tapped into what the opportunities were. I got to know who some of the players were. I, I, I you know, researched a company, which was, you know, P&G is not only known for being an amazing, um, you know, brand builder, but also uh, an amazing uh, developer of talent. Um, future CEOs are groomed at P&G, right, uh, during their time there. And so it was a really great company from a, you know, skill building, training and development perspective. And so I looked into the company. At the end of the day, this, you know, role was uh, – in, in their pharmaceutical business. And I had the science background, so I thought I had something to offer to bring, had a PhD. Um, that's kind of a little bit more of the profile that inform pharmacists that, you know, join in the pharma business. Um, but I think what really, you know, got the opportunity in front of me and maybe instead of somebody else, you know, was I did reach out to the people there to learn more for informational interviews. So I wasn't a new face. The other thing is, is I, I, I tried to take the perspective of, if, you know, to deeply understand the company, what the issues were in Canada and what they needed this role to do. And I think I was able to demonstrate that I, you know, understood the business, their challenges. I, I you know, was talking about a particular um, scientific trial that a competitor, you know, had just published that I thought was going to be a real problem. And so, you know, I, you know, I asked, you know, how much of a problem is this for you? Because it seems like it is. And it was just like, oh my God, it's the only thing, like it's the top of mind. And, and, and just the fact that I was able to demonstrate being in touch with their business issues and that I was going to be able to hit the ground running, I think was, you know, showed up in a different way. So I, so I did my research and, and, um, you know, is already acting as if I'm already working for the company and trying to help solve a business problem. And I, I think that at least, you know, when I debrief later was something that really showed up differently to the candidates that they had talked to. So I think those are some of the things that I did, um, you know, to, to, to really, um, I guess, land that first, first opportunity with a really great, with a really great company. Yeah, no, I, I, and that's a great point where, um, that's been a trend, right, throughout the, the, these podcasts, right? Something where people saying, "Hey, that's how I made my first, um, you know, position," right? Where I think I had someone from Germany or Switzerland, where you know their first interview, they, they kind of broke down this whole case about the Syria, and that's really what you know kind of put them over the edge because they did such a you know such a huge deep dive, where maybe everyone else were more um, surface level case studies, right? So yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what makes that even interesting is. Just going back to my personal experience, my first ever networking event, that was one of the tips I got from someone, right? Where they said, hey, when you go to an interview or a networking event, 
like almost create like a, a scouting a scouting report for the people there, right? So know who you're speaking to, know what they, they do or what the company is about. And it just yeah. shows that you're kind of invested in that role or, you know, you're, you're actually interested in being there, right? So I definitely see the value in that. Um, and one of the things that you touched on that I wanted to kind of build on, because it was something that you said earlier as well, was, you know, you knew about Procter & Gamble and how it was a great place where, you know, CEOs are almost bred, right? Where they're kind of um, groomed and farmed to, to kind of go somewhere else and, and become a CEO. Was that something that kind of drawn you to uh, Procter & Gamble? Because that's something you said earlier where you're looking for different experiences or things you want to, to learn or develop. Was that something that kind of um, made you interested in that role a bit more as well? Yeah, absolutely. Because remember, I was trained as a scientist and I had a you know, work, I worked as a researcher and a professor and that that cultivates a certain way of thinking, right? And a certain way of communicating as well. And, and you know, while useful and impactful and effective in its own right, I didn't think that was the way, you know, you build things. Um, and, you know, what especially impressed me, you know, well, you know, P&G has been around more than 100 years. So, I mean, it's uh, stood the test of time. And, and you know, the, the idea of building brands was very appealing to me because what I realized I, I want to do is, is build things, <laughs> you know, build things that, you know, make country and community better. And, and, and so to me, it just, you know, seemed to be a great training ground for that. And, you know, I had had a chance to engage with people who'd been with the company and, um, you know, really liked that. And so, yeah, the opportunity to grow and develop at a company like P&G is amazing. And you get to do meaningful work that touches and improves the lives of consumers every day. And that really appealed to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and that makes a lot of sense, right? Where, you know, it, it, like you were saying earlier, the amount, the numbers they do and how much people they actually, you know, touch. You, you do have much more at your disposal, right? Where maybe when you're a scientist or a professor, you're much more capped of what you're able to do in regards to those budgets. Yeah, um, and I think like early in your career, Chris, mm -hmm. it's so important to think a little bit, you know, beyond the paycheck and the title, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where are you gonna, you know, early in your career, it's important to think about what are you gonna learn and how are you gonna grow? And I think a little bit, Later, and you know, certainly companies and institutions are, are, are good at that, and, and that's a little bit how you, you know, separate, you know, the opportunities in your mind, depending on what it is you want to do. I think a little bit later in your career, and while this is also important earlier, but especially later, um, I think a lot about picking my leader. You know, who is it that I want to work for and with? And... I, I would way rather have a crappy role with a great leader than the other way around <laughs> because, yeah. you know, you know you'll, you'll learn more, you'll develop more, you'll be way happier. And so, you know, the last couple of moves I've always, I've made it, I've always really thought about who's the leader and pick your leader. And then, you know, sometimes that leader changes and that can create some difficulties, but... Mm -hmm. But I, I really do think people should think a lot about that. And, you know, what I think this pandemic has done for a lot of people is made them realize, gosh, that is just so important. And I'm, I'm going to be really choiceful here. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to work with leaders that I want to I want to work with and where I'm going to learn and grow and develop. And and that's meant a bit of a, you know, an upheaval in the labor market um, and hard to find people and and if it's hard to find people you'll probably discover it comes down to leadership interesting yeah, no that's a great point that actually strikes the chord with myself where i actually started off in accounting and then i made the switch so i kind of dove into to marketing because i'm like hey that's what i love and that's what i want to do yeah. well because i felt you know compared to the let's say my classmates in my marketing classes they had two years of marketing experience before me right so if i went to go to apply to a job at that time or even post uh, grad, you know, they would have the advantage, right? They would have those two years of experience on me. So essentially that's what I did, right? Where I thought beyond the paycheck and kind of just said, Hey, who can, you know, I help. So I got involved with the startup. And then after the startup, um, I was with them for a bit, but then uh, <laughs> I just think about it. 
but then I went to Atletico Ottawa during the pandemic and right. because you know COVID they didn't have budget so I just said hey I'll, I'll like I'll work for free for the time being but that's one of the things I've kind of realized over let's say the last year is once I dove into marketing I had some great opportunities because you know I made myself available but you know at a startup it's not very big right so they essentially gave me the keys or hey do whatever marketing as well same thing at Atletico and then now that I'm trying to grow a business I'm like hey I never really had that that mentorship so you know yeah. funny enough yesterday I got accepted into a mentorship program because that's something that where I really feel that's something I was missing, right? Where I never really had a director or marketing uh, director, CMO kind of maybe teaching right. me the ways, right? So I definitely see the value in that. And I think even sometimes this podcast, just from having different discussions with different people in the industry, that that, that helps as well. But I definitely see how um, how impactful that is on people's careers, right? Because, you know, I've had, I've heard all these different stories where people have had, you know, horrible directors or they're telling me don't go to the, you know, this organization because the leadership's poor. So I, I definitely understand that. Um, and one of the things, not to skip things over, I still want to get some, some other questions afterwards. But for now, do you mind maybe telling us about your position a bit more at Alpine Canada, right? So what kind of things are you doing and what does the maybe day-to-day -day look like so for, for, for people listening? Yeah, no, sure. Listen, I, I joined the organization a little over a year ago in the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, my, you know, responsibilities are, are, are pretty broad, you know, everything from, you know, Team Canada's performance, uh, you know, on the international stage, so the leadership of the high performance program through, of course, great, great folks that I have leading, you know, those, those programs to the commercial operations of the organization. And so, so the responsibilities are pretty broad. Um, and, um, you know, when I think about the commercial operations of the organization, that's what drives the, you know, the, the sports success. And so, you know, over the last year, the board gave me a mandate around really three things. Yeah. You know, first of all was to stabilize the business, which was in a bit of a challenging financial situation. You know, renew the strategic plan, number two, and then begin to implement and and resource it and so over the last year um you know we had a really great year from a um you know an athletic performance perspective uh, despite you know some of the challenges that were a little bit disproportionate to us as a you know a canadian ski organization and ski team in a sport that's very eurocentric so we operate about half the revenues and twice the cost because of the travel and all of that we, we had a really great year from an athletic perspective athletes you know at least in our ski cross program uh, you know crystal globe winners overall you know world cup champions third overall several podiums uh, really great performance there on the alpine program we had athletes you know one on the podium for the first time um you know in a long time uh, we had new athletes um you know, with some incredible performances and some of our veterans, you know, moving up in the rankings, which is really important to get ready for an Olympic year. And then our para-alpine team had some really great training blocks, but unfortunately, you know, the key competitions were, were canceled, but, you know, they're ready for a really big Olympic year. So, so from an athletic perspective, had a great year. Um, we were able to, uh, from a commercial perspective, build the brand and reach over 14 million Canadians with our 100th anniversary program where we celebrated our rich history and tradition of ski racing excellence and created a digital legacy that's really a bit of a love story to ski racing in Canada, which was really kind of amazing to see and had over 600,000 Canadians engage with that content. So from, you know, brand reach and, and brand sentiment, we, we made a lot of strides last year. You know, that's helping to translate, you know, this year into some of the partnership revenue streams that you know, we're really starting to bring on board. And and then, you know, finally, you know, had a great year from a financial perspective, we were able to eliminate some of the debt and really get ready to invest in our future. Um, and so, so stabilized the business last year um, and set it up for a good, you know, for a good year this year, which is an Olympic and Paralympic year. The second thing is we renewed the strategic plan, you know, using a little bit, um, you know, the where to play, how to, Roger Martin's sort of framework on where to play, how to win. Of course, he 
he was a consultant to P&G and A.G. Lafley for many years. So I grew up with this framework, if you will, and, you know, Roger used that um, to develop the strategy for Tennis Canada, which, you know, you're seeing the fruits of that today. And so we, we leveraged this framework to build um, our strategic plan and make our where to play, how to win choices, all with the aspiration of being a world leading nation. And you know, we're focused on some of the capabilities and management systems that we need to put in place in order to do that. And they really are around, you know, next gen athlete development, building the capacity for ski racing excellence, producing race events that excite Canadians, and then finally building our brand with a much broader audience to drive revenue growth. Those are the four things that we're focused on with our strategic plan. And so that was sort of the second thing. And the third thing is, is now, you know, really beginning to implement the plan and resource it. I've, you know, now brought on a few new leaders into the organization to build out my senior leadership team and a few sort of key individuals to begin to execute. And, you know, while I'm, I'm you know, there's going to be lots of challenges ahead, um, you know, and you can't turn on a dime because there's lots of things we would wish to do. We need to drive incremental revenue in order to accomplish that. You know, we're in this bit of uncomfortable changing the tires while driving situation, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the journey we're on now. So, so that's a little bit about, you know, what I've, you know, what my sort of scope of responsibilities are and sort of what the first year looked like. And, and now it's really about executing the plan and you know, making sure we're driving the resources in order to do that and making sure that we're doing that as a, you know, a, a, um, a one team Canada, because there are many silos of clubs and provinces. And, you know, this is not different than hockey or tennis or any other sport, but um, you know, making sure everyone understands the vision how we're going to move forward and what their role in, is in it is, is very much a big part of, you know, what I'm doing every day. Yeah. And just you hearing you kind of break that down, I think that's what almost embodies why working in sports business is so interesting, right? Where, you know, people oftentimes when they think of, you know, um, organizations like Alpine Canada or the New York Yankees or et cetera, people are like, oh, you know, the athletes, right, or podiums or the championships. But as you kind of said, right, where, you know, the commercial side actually drives sports success, right? Where And vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Of course, of course. But just kind of hearing how interchangeable that is and, you know, the impact and how, what is it? Um, how, not well-rounded, how, how much both sides kind of balance each other out, I'd say, right? Where, like you're saying, if sport does well, then it helps the business. Uh, and vice versa and it's just kind of yeah. interesting to hear how you know even though you work for alpine canada and it's not always just going to be about hey what can we do on on you know on the hill but actually seeing hey what can we do on uh the business side of things to help you know on, on the hill success so, so that, well yeah great. and chris you know what you know here's the interesting thing and i don't know if 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 you're a simon cynic fan you know but we often talk a lot about and, and, you know, businesses do this too, about what we do and how we do it, right? And I told you a little bit about what we do, what we're doing in our strategic plan. And, you know, we're really all about increasing coding performances and, you know, inspiring, you know, the growth and participation in fans ski racing. Um, but, but, you know, what we didn't talk about is the why. And, and, you know, this is what's interesting about sport, truthfully, and why I get really excited about working in sport. Is, is yes, we do this to win, but you know, because that's a little bit what sport is about, and how we do that is really important. But we, but this is a bit of a nation-building project, here, right? Uh, you know, the, the reason we do this, you know, we, we talk about our purpose as being to power a, a nation to its peak performance, and we do that by inspiring Canadians to be at their their very best every day, and and you know that's why we do what we do. Um, it, it's to build a nation, um, and it's 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 to help Canadians feel like they're part of something bigger, um, and to inspire Canadians to be at their very best. And, and that's what's very special about a sport like ours. Is, you know, we're a winter sport. Canada's a winter sport nation. Um, Canadians, you know, pride themselves, 
not just in surviving winter, but thriving in it. And, and a sport like ours embodies that. And so, you know, when you think about that, that's why I get really excited. Um, it, it's because of the deep connection we make with Canadians and, and you know, really uh, inspire people to be at their very best. Yeah. And, and that's kind of a perfect almost transition to you know, getting to the athlete side of it, right? Because you kind of provide the whole, the full scope of it, right? Where maybe this passion and what, you know, what drives you comes back to, you know, you being an athlete, right? And you seeing how impactful it is, right? And how, how much it can inspire. And then maybe that's also translates to, to what you do on the business side of things. So do I maybe sharing us uh, or telling us is what I said, not sharing us. Um, about your time as an athlete, right? And how that looks like and what that, that kind of, um, you know, went along, right? How did you make that transition from athlete to business? Because, you know, I've spoken to athletes and I believe we've had one on that was a, an Olympic swimmer where once her Olympic career ended, she had a tough time um, understanding who she was, right? Where she just knew herself as a swimmer and she had a hard time saying, oh, you know, it's time to go into, into, into this. So how did you make that transition and how did that come about? Yeah, well, you know, it's a great question. And I guess to start with, like maybe because I, in women's sport, I never had this illusion that I was going to make my hay in sport, right? I mean, it was more, you know, I, I had to work and, you know, think about uh, how my career as an athlete, I mean, it's like getting into any business, right? If you're going to have your own business and being an athlete is having your own business, you know, after five years, if you can't make the business work, you better get out. And the same, it was it, the same is true for being an athlete. If you, you know, can't find a way to build your personal brand and drive, you know, revenue behind that. And, you know, in, in my case, you know, I was working for a good part of working full time at a university for, for a good part of my career. Um, you know, if you can't if you can't make that business model work you, you better get out so i and what was probably helpful for me is i i never had the illusion that my time in sport was going to fuel you know income for the rest of my life um and so i always had an interest in what came after and you know one of the stories that Johan olive Kotz, you know told me um many years ago like you know he was the norwegian speed skater he's worked with Right to Play and started up that movement um, and, you know, based it here in Canada. But he said when he went to go join the Olympic sports school in, in Norway, the first question they asked him is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, he said, well, I wanted to be a medical doctor, right? Which is, he did do that training. But immediately there was a plan around that, right? To build towards that because when you know what you do when you're over, then you don't gotta, you know, worry about it being over because you know what you're gonna do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, I actually think it makes you a better athlete because you're not worrying about what happens if if that pathway doesn't continue because you already got a plan. And and you know the plan might not be perfect, but you know you're starting to build towards that, the skill set towards that. And I think it was very helpful that I never had the illusion that. You know, I was going to strike it rich as a result of my my athletic career. I, I always had a bit of a plan, and of course, it takes twists and turns. But you're working towards it, and I thought it made me a better athlete. And and then, you know, my the actual transition was was pretty easy. I had an ankle injury. I you know had surgery. Um, I had an infection. I don't have a very Olympic ankle anymore, and and so it was time for me to to move on but i you know in my mind i already knew at least what i was gonna start to do and of course that takes you know so i thought that was really important in my case is have a plan and start working on it now even though it might be some way more off in the future yeah no I, and that's pretty interesting right we were saying even though you're you know competing at a high level you already had that in mind where you're saying maybe even helped you be a better athlete where you know what hey if something happens it's okay because I can still do this. So that, that's pretty interesting because I, I know. Yeah, and it meant a busy time. Like I was fitting in work stuff around training. There's no yeah, yeah. you know, question that it was not challenging. But actually it was kind of a relief to not, you know, to actually have something else to go do. And so I actually, mm. you know, found it quite a useful way and a productive way. And I, I think it contributed to the performance as an athlete. 
Yeah, no, for, for sure. And, and I'm sure it did. Um, and as we kind of end the, the podcast, I have one last question, and then I'll get to the final two questions I'd like to ask. Um, one of the things that you touched on is, you know, viewing your athletic career as a, as a business, right? You were saying the five years and then get out. And then you also touched on the ability to kind of grow the personal brand. So, you know, with the availability of social media, um, all these different assets that athletes now have to, you know, monetize their careers, from the position you're in now and even just being an athlete in the past, what maybe advice would you give to, you know, let's say athletes are listening right right now. What's yeah. something that you, that you, you know, you see working well? Yeah, I know the thing I would say is the worst thing you can do is ask for sponsorship. Okay. Um, you know, and I'm a, I've been a buyer of these things for, for many years. Um, for sure, it's to build a brand and build an audience. But look, not every, and you, we have amazing tools to do, you know, this today as athletes that, that democratizes media and outreach in a way that didn't exist 20 years ago. Not everybody's comfortable doing that, but think about how you're going to build your brand. The other thing is just think about the value that you can bring to a potential partner that probably doesn't just look like, you know, putting your image on their materials, but it may be doing talks. It might be things around employee engagement. It might be, you know, you know, other things that can deliver value for a potential partner or donor that you maybe didn't think about before. And I think that starts with, you know, deeply understanding, you know, how you can help, uh, you know, from the, from the perspective of that company or donor. And, and you might realize that there's, you know, some pretty incredible things that you can do that might actually be quite easy for you. They might stretch you a little, that could deliver a lot of, you know, value for, for potential marketing partners, sponsors, or, or donors. So that's what I would really encourage you know, athletes to think about when they think about how they're going to build their personal businesses, build brand, sure, but build your value proposition and, and, and how you can help your, your partners um, meet their business objectives. Yeah, no, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And so the two final questions, because I know you have to go shortly. Um, what is the first tip? The first one is if we go into the future, 103 year old Therese, you're on a rocking chair looking back. <laughs> What's something that you think will stick out in your career? Like, wow, I can't believe I was able to do that. Oh my gosh. Well, certainly my my years with the Olympic team program, you know, were, were those were pretty special. And, you know, either the wins, the losses, and and you know, those are one on the bike paths of PEI and in the in the, in the rinks of Rapontini and and just, you know, the time with with those, you know, my teammates and, and, you know, will, will be something I always remember a very, very special time, very honored and privileged, frankly, to, you know, had a chance to wear the, the Jersey with that bunch and representing your country and the world stage in a, in a sport that matters so much to Canadians, um, you know, is truly something I'll never forget. Um, you know, I think the work that we're doing in sport is something I'll, you know, remember a lot, um, you know, I hope that over the last at least 20 years of I've been involved in sport and I'm continuing on that journey. To me, it's about having Canadians reach their full potential on the world stage. And, you know, we're number one in winter and, you know, in a top, top eight, top 10 and in, you know, summer amongst those G7 nations where we rightly belong to me, that I think is, is, you know, very memorable because, you know, when I think about the Vancouver games and hearing people singing Oh Canada in the streets because of the performance, celebrating the performances of our Olympic team, that that's really what it is, is about. So I, I will certainly reflect on that fondly. And then, you know, probably the last thing I'd say is, you know, working in these global uh, companies, you know, that have a Canadian arm or Canadian business unit, I think, you know, the work at least showing that Canada can punch above its weight and actually lead the world in, in what we do from, you know, a, a brand and business building perspective and that Canadians really are a unique consumer, I think is, is something I'll remember fondly as well. Um, you know, it's something very special to be able to build businesses like this and have, you know, Canadian work reapplied around the globe. To me, what will be things I remember as well, um, you know, as I think about professional athletic, you know, accomplishments and impact, you know, 
but if, you know, none of that is, is of course, as important as the family and friends you make along the way. And, and, you know, that obviously is something I hold very near and dear to my heart, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that, sounds, that sounds amazing. And the last question I like to ask, so we went to the future, so now going to the past. If you have the opportunity to chat to, let's say, an 18-year-old uh, version of yourself, or even maybe an 18-year-old that just started university, what, about a month ago, what is the advice, whether it's career or life, what's something that you wish you, you knew earlier that's helped you um, along the route? Yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's funny because being an athlete is a very selfish existence <laughs> um, because your training, your nutrition, your all of that always comes first before the family, you know, and for before friends. And, and so there's a lot of sacrifice in that, you know, from a personal perspective, but you know, the impact it has on, you know, family and friends is, is, is certainly one that, I wish I could change, you know, that said, I don't think you get there. You don't get, you don't get to where at least I got without, you know, making those choices mm -hmm. early on in life. So it's certainly something I wish I, I could change. And it is one of the greatest joys now where I'm, I'm being quite purposeful and deliberate not to miss out on that stuff. So I guess my advice would be um, you'll need to make those decisions. <laughs> you know, at the right time, but don't make them for too long because, uh, um, you know, those are things that you, you never, you never get a chance to make up that time. And so in many ways, when my time came to an end, it was a great relief to be able to, you know, start to spend more time with family, friends, and not always make that training about the, the very first thing on your mind. So yeah, living less of the selfish existence is something, you know, I, I would I would encourage people to think a lot about how long, when and where to make that sacrifice. You'll have to make it, but think about ending it soon. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that sounds like great advice where I'm sure that's applicable to, to athletes, but even you know other people, right? Whether they're you know studying 24 seven, working X, Y, Z, that's you know, just appreciating the time you have. So I, mm -hmm. I think that's a great way to, to end the podcast unless there's anything else you'd like to share? I uh, just want to thank you for, for, for coming on the pod. Yeah, no, this is great, Chris. Uh, thanks a lot. Great chatting with you and good luck to you in building your business. It's uh, really exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Thank you.